0: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. Monday means EJ Raddick. What does EJ Raddick mean? NHL Now, NHL Network, just an all-around good guy. And he joins us here on Game okay. Misconduct. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good, Donnie.
1: Busy, busy Sunday in hockey. Oh,
0: yeah. Uh, and then that's, let's just start there. Three-way deal, um, uh, the Predators involved with the, uh, the avalanche and the Senators as Matt Duchesne finally is out of Colorado and heads to Ottawa. So what were your first impressions of the deal?
1: Well, uh, well, let's face it. We knew that Duchesne was going to go at some point, and Kyle Tourist was going to go mostly because – really, essentially because he has, his contract was expiring. The Ottawa Senators are not in a circumstance where uh, they could afford to sign Kyle Turist a long-term deal. So they were going to move him by getting Matt Duchesne in that deal. They get a player that has another year on his contract. He has one more year on his contract. So it gives them a little bit, it kind of buys them some time. They get a player that's as good, if not better than Torres. Although I think Torres is more of a natural center than Duchesne. I still think Duchesne is a better on the wing, but that's a discussion for, for another time. The, the reality for Ottawa is that they bought themselves an extra year of cost certainty. Uh, the ownership, Situation may change there in a year, two years, but they don't have to worry about Kyle Torres leaving as an unrestricted free agent. They have a player now, and Matt Duchesne is going to come in and play really well, hopefully for them for two years. So that's the end of it for them. For Colorado, they got that really good young puck moving defenseman they wanted, and Sam Girard from Nashville, plus a bunch of picks, a couple of other prospects. They ate some money by taking Andrew Hammond's deal. And uh, for Nashville, I think Nashville is the biggest winner in this because they trade from strength. Uh, Sam Girard is a really talented young puck-moving defenseman, but they have four already there. They're top four with Suban and Yossi and Ellis, who's hurt right now in Ekholm, are probably the best foursome in the league. They add Tourists, They sign him to a long-term deal. So now through the middle of their team now, they have Johansson as a one, Torres as a two, and they have Nick Bonino as a three, and he was a great three in Pittsburgh uh, during those cup years that he had over the last couple with the Penguins. So everybody kind of got what they wanted in this. But I think the Nashville Predators, uh, when you think about Johansson, tourists, Benino down the middle, those four D they already have, they traded Mm -hmm. away a good player, but some, an area Mm -hmm. of strength. I think the Nashville Predators are set to be uh, the best, uh, one of the best teams in the West for the next several years.
0: And you think that money for tourists makes sense?
1: That's what he was going to get, Donnie. I mean, uh, if he was on the yeah. open market, he might even get more because high-end offensive centers uh, are hard to find. I mean, ask the Rangers, ask anybody. I mean, they're, they're, you know, there's. Right. I always say there's about 15 or 20 elite centers in hockey at any one time. Some teams are lucky and have two of them. Um, other teams don't have any. So, uh, in this case, Torres is kind of a – I don't know if he fits in that category, but he's certainly – Uh, like a 1B and a second center. So now they have, again, Johansson as their big one, Torres has a two, and Benito is a three, and it gives them that kind of Penguins-like look where it's hard to defend them. I mean, yeah, you're going to still establish your checkers playing against the Johansson line. Well, that opens up Kyle Torres to be very dangerous and certainly puts Nick Benito in a great position. So, uh, you know, again, when I look at the... You know, the strength of that group, three deep down the middle now, four deep on defense, Pecorini's still strong in goal, and I'm, I'm sure if Pecorini comes to the point where they feel that, you know, he's aging out, um, they'll find a goalie. So, for me, the Nashville Predators were the, the biggest winners in this. I think yeah. Colorado long-term does very well. They got a player. They're hoping that Sam Girard fits in good with. They have Tyson Berry there. He's a puck mover. Cal McCarr, they drafted last year. has got a lot of high high end upside as an offensive defenseman. Uh, They have Yost there. They have Ranton in there. They've got some good young players there as well. So they're building for the future. they got got three draft picks. One is a a first-round pick from the Senators. And although the Senators did protect that, uh, if the Senators would be in the first 10, uh, they would be able to keep that pick. And then the Avalanche would get the first-round pick of the Senators in 2019, regardless of uh, where Mm. they pick. So – you know, I think for me, the the team that I, I'm most nervous about in this is, is Ottawa just because really what they did was they've, you know, it just depends how much you like Duchesne more than Tourists and right. how much you think Duchesne is the center. And then the bigger picture, can they re-sign Matt Duchesne for a long stretch at, as they currently are now? I would say no. No. Um, And if they can't sign him long-term next year, what do they get in return for him? Can they make a deal and get really some high-end players in return? So for me, the team that I'm most concerned out of this threesome would be Ottawa because they are in a very short-term situation there, as mostly based on the ownership and the financial issues with the team.
0: And it's interesting that the Avalanche and Senators are – Going to play in Sweden so that they'll be yes, reunited know, after the deal. So I the know. timing ends up being crazy, just not just for the teams, but also for the league and, and to showcase that type of a game. But you're right. It's an interesting uh, scenario. It also brings a lot of the teams into the conversation, EJ, because I'm sure the Ranger fans are like, could we have made this deal? Montreal fans are probably saying the same thing. They could use you know, a player like that. So I guess it just comes down to, as you said, do said team feel that Matt Duchesne is – what they're looking for and what did they have the same packages could they bring in that third team to make that deal work
1: listen the team that i think is the loser in this that was not involved was columbus because columbus right. was very in on matthew shane and i think they also had very interest in kyle turris as well but they just weren't willing to trade the pieces that were necessary they wanted to trade ryan murray Who's a number two overall pick a couple of years back? Who's not been the defenseman that they probably thought he's still a good player and he's going to play in the league a long time. But they wanted to trade him as part as the key part of the package, and he just uh, wasn't what Colorado on their end was looking for. I mean, there was some talk that maybe Gabriel Carlson, who was another high end young defenseman in their system, could have been part of a package. But in the end, the Jackets weren't willing to pull the trigger or include the players necessary to make it happen. Now, they still have a very good team. Uh, you know, their power play is struggling right now, but everything else seems to be working all right, and they got a great goalie. And You know, you think about Columbus with a Duchesne or with a Tourist. Now they're one step closer to being that team that can really maybe make a real run at, at Pittsburgh or whoever you like in the East. Without them, they're still a very good team, but now it's yeah. back to the drawing board if they're looking to add that piece, especially in the middle, which is what – you know they're looking for it, really. When you think Nashville now again, Johansson, former Jacket, Touris, almost Jacket, and and Benino of the Penguins. So they're strong down the middle. The Jackets still, while they have a very very good team, that's an area they don't have that dynamic group of real legit one two three centers. They have good centers, they just don't have yeah. that that group. And if you have if you're in the same division with the Pittsburgh Penguins, you probably want to have that guy if you can get him.
0: Oh, yeah, there's no question about that. Um, all right, we only have you for a limited amount of time, so let's run through some tweets because we got a right. ton uh, this all morning. Right. So- and Of course, a lot of Ranger fans, including Jeff D., want to know, sweeping Florida, uh, winning in Tampa, and the Panthers in overtime, they've won three straight games. Do you believe that they've turned some sort of a corner?
1: Well, I think they made, made some improvements, certainly, in their play, and they're playing, I think, with a little more purpose and a little bit more urgency, and J.T. Miller has been great. And I You know, I always go back, Donnie. We've talked about it going back to last year. For the Rangers, I look at the three, you know, key guys to me to moving this team forward are those young veterans, is, is Hayes, Miller, Kreider, and I think J.T. Miller, in the last several games, has taken a real step forward now. will he, Can he continue that? I don't know. I mean, that's been the question about those guys. They have flashes, and then they kind of settle back in, and the next thing you know, Elaine Vino's got JTL Miller on the fourth line. So uh, we will see, but I think if you're a Ranger fan, think about where you were after two right. periods against the Vegas Golden Knights, and now think of where you are today. A couple of wins later, a really good performance against Tampa and a good win there. I thought Tampa was yeah. was flat in that game, but the Raiders took advantage, and they were part of the reason why Tampa was flat. So, you know, I think you feel better about things right now. You've moved up a little bit in the standings. You're kind of getting into that area where now you're in striking distance of getting into one of those playoff spots. So, real test for them on Monday night against the Jackets. And, uh, you know, I guess we'll know a little bit more after that game because Columbus just plays a hard 60 minutes. It's not going to be to play Florida. It's a loosey-goosey game. You know, Tampa I didn't think played well in that game. Uh, The Rangers beat Vegas, but Vegas was playing, what, their fourth goalie in that game. You know, a game against Columbus in the division, a team that play, well, you know, is going to give you sixty minutes. That's a real test tonight.
0: And just my observation, I called the game in Florida. Uh, I don't know if you can just rely on Hank to just be a stud for long periods of time anymore. And and you know, because you had a great game against Tampa, and then. A couple of soft ones, including the Trocheck goal that tied the game late. And, you know, it was was a third consecutive start for him. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm not saying he's not great. I'm just saying going on 36 years old, I don't know if that's a goaltender that can play, you know, 16 straight games and carry this team anymore. I I look at the Rangers now as a team that might have to bail Hank out more than Hank is going to bail the team out.
1: I think you're probably right. I mean – you know, let's face it, uh, Father Time is undefeated. And um, yeah. Hank works hard. He works harder than anybody. You would know you cover the team, you're on the fights with these guys and he puts in the time. Um but you know, uh, I should ask Henrik Lenquist to carry a team. Just look what's happened in Montreal. I mean they've asked they asked Carey Price to carry a team. He's kinda of broken down a little bit. Now they they say he has an injury. I'm not even so sure it's just not a you're right a kind of break. I would like to reset like Hank did with Benoit Wallera where he took a week and and work with Ben Waller, I think, uh, you know, that happens with goaltenders. It happens a lot with goalies. They're kind of – Chuck Fletcher from the Minnesota Wild, the GM there, said years ago to me that goalies are seem like pitchers. You know, a pitcher will have one good year, and then you, you assign them to a – a long-term deal and either hurts his arm or he doesn't pitch as well the next year. So goalies are kind of like that. And Henrik has given the Rangers just great goaltending for more than a decade. So I think they do probably have to help him a little bit more. And let's face it, nobody nobody riding to the rescue, Donnie. It's not going to be Andre Pavlik. It's going to be Henrik Lundqvist or Buss.
0: No, and I'm not saying you can't win with him. I'm just saying that those times where the team's not playing well, but you still win 8 of 10 because Hank stands on his head. I think those days might be over. Uh, David wants to know. What will the Oilers do with the Yamamoto? Do they keep him, or will they be lucky to see him play junior for one more year?
1: Well, they just sent him down today to the uh, to the west, back to the Western Hockey League. Um, okay. It's been a tough start for the Oilers. It's um, I think this is a team with high expectations, and we've seen this in sports and all the different sports sometimes that when you know after that first year where everything goes great, all of a sudden the next year. You know, you know, things don't go as well. And, like, Cam Talbot didn't play well in the first few games. He's since kind of gotten his game together, so he's been fine. They miss Andre Sequeira on defense. Their defense, even with him, is not deep or strong at this point. Oscar Kleffbaum, another young defenseman for him, a good one, has played poorly in the first part of the year, so their defense has been suspect. Up front, McDavid has been McDavid. has uh, had some injury issues, but when he's played, he's been fine. Um they're not getting a whole lot out of, out of most of the other guys there. They're not getting anything, a lot out of Lucic. They're not getting a lot out of Ryan Strome. They're not getting a lot out of UC in. They're not getting a lot out of several of the other uh, guys up front. So when you look at their team right now, it's a struggle. And, uh, you know, it is something where I would say, should there be concern? If I'm the Edmonton Oilers uh, coach, management, I'd say, yeah, there should be some yeah. concern because, uh, you know, right now, it's just not working for them, and they've got to figure out, you know, what they can do to change it.
0: I tweeted something out last night that of the 17 games, E.J., that were played on Saturday and Sunday, eight of them, eight or more goals were scored. Saturday, there was yeah. just a slew of games tied at four uh, yeah, in the third right. period probably, or overtime. I mean, yeah. it felt like 86-87. So Robert Thee tweeted, forget about juice baseballs or the pucks juiced. Uh, to what do we attribute <laughs> all the high-scoring games so far this year?
1: Well, I can only give you my opinion on that, and it is that, the uh, stick fouls—they've the stick fouls this year, the slashing—and that's given the players a little bit more time and space. Now, I'm not saying that uh, you know this has changed the world. I just think it's given the players a, a hair more time and space. I think that the, the forwards now, the kids have grown up. All these guys have grown up with the, in the era of the of the butterfly goalie, and the goalies now, the good ones, I think, try to stay on their feet a little bit longer, and they try to keep their torsos a little bit straighter. Because when guys have time and space now, they don't think. They just go under the bar. And it's it's pretty easy. Uh, you know, that's a shot that uh, if you're not thinking about it, these guys are good. They can hit a dime from like 200 feet with a shot. Right. I mean, they're that good. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I've seen some of the goalies. I know talking to Dave Fryer, the goalie coach with Vegas, with Marc-Andre Fleury, watching him play early in the year before he got hurt. He was good at it, of not not committing to dropping to your knees immediately, of trying to stay up and fool the shooter sometimes. Uh, Marty Jones is good at it. Uh, Braden Holtby can be good at it. So I think what we're seeing is just that there's a little bit more time. The shooters know where they're going when they have opportunities to go, you know, under the bar, short side. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, far side depends on what the, you know, what the circumstance is. But I think that's all those things wrapped together has been part of why we're seeing more goals early in the year. We'll see. If uh, the standard continues from the, from the standpoint of calling the penalties and if the goalies don't adjust, because uh, I think it is very tricky to do that, to try to stay up that beat longer. And, uh, you know, because these guys have pretty much fallen into that just drop to the knees on everything style, and it's, it's evolving like everything else. So that, that'll be my, my take on it right now. We'll see if it changes.
0: Um, five assists tonight for Barzell for the Islanders and their win uh, over uh, Colorado last night. Nick wants to know, what are um, <clears throat> Barzell's chances of the Calder?
1: Well, um, I mean, he has to continue to play well, right? I mean, Clayton mm-hmm. Keller has just been off to the races so far. and Now, the yeah. Arizona Coyotes aren't going anywhere, but Clayton Keller has been awesome. So if he continues to play like this, nobody's going to be – Nobody's going to beat him out. Um, Brock Besser in Vancouver has played very, very well. Uh, Had a hat trick the other night against the Penguins. But Matt Barzell is is in a good spot. He's a smart player. He can score goals, but he's also a playmaker. Um, He's playing on a team where he's not, uh, you know, asked, like Keller is asked to be, you know, uh, right in the mix of everything right away, facing the toughest checkers, let's say, from another team. Uh, Brock Besser is in the same boat. Manny Barzell is kind of not in that situation. So there's a good and bad in that. The good news is that you're not facing the top guys all the time. The bad news is that maybe you're not in all those situations that those other guys are. But I think for Barzell and, you know, for any rookie, I mean, the focus is just trying to play well and do, uh, you know, keep your coach happy and try to develop as a player. And if you, at the end of the 82 games, if, you know, you're in the mix, that's great. But, uh, you know, right now I'd have to say Keller is pretty clear cut ahead of the field in, in terms of the Calder.
0: All right, we only got a couple of minutes with you, and I want to read this tweet because I think it's a very interesting conversation. Okay. And Jake um, wants to know uh, what is your Mount Rushmore of all-time NHL players? Now, I don't think you can really go anywhere without people agreeing that Gretzky, Howe, and Orr are three of those four, right? I mean, I, yes, yeah. yeah. So that, so I think really the only conversation is who would be the fourth guy.
1: Yeah, that's a and, that's a great. I mean I guess that's one of those I mean who are the candidates? Well Mario Lemieux candidate, right? Yes. We could agree he's a candidate. I think that uh Marc Messier for me would be a candidate. Um uh, Maryland with the with the tremendous point numbers that he has and statistics, I think he'd be a candidate. Uh, Maurice Richard, I, know I people, think. Yeah, you know, if you depending on how far you go back, Maurice Richard definitely a candidate, a different era. Um I think that uh, you know people maybe not want me want not be crazy about hearing me say this, but when you look at career points per game, I think Sidney Crosby's got to be considered as well. I mean, uh, he's amongst the top five points per game guy in the history of this league right now. I think it's Gretzky, Lemieux, or Bossy and Crosby. I think I don't know exactly the order, but I think those are the five still. So I think you got to consider him, I guess for me it might be Lemieux just because he was so darn good. I know <laughs> he was I, it's so, it, so good.
0: It, yeah it's hard it's hard not to include him but but also do you feel an obligation because you do have two forwards and a defenseman of mm-hmm. trying to come up with a goaltender
1: goal yeah, that's a good point
0: i I don't think you have to i don't i don't think you have to feel obligated to that, but do you just want to round it out where every position or at least forward defenseman and goaltender are evolved. And so is it just automatically Patrick Waugh? Do you put Bro door there because he's got more wins? I probably would put yeah. Patrick Waugh if I had to go with a goaltender.
1: Yeah. I mean, or well, you could put Jacques Plant, I mean, yeah. who revolutionized the position in so many different ways. I mean, you could think about Dominic Hasek, who was a dominant figure and, and he won back to back hard trophies. Um, goalies just don't win that award all that often. Right. And, uh, you know, he won it back to back years. So, um, there's probably a number of goalies you could consider as well. Um, it's it's one of those. It's like that's a barroom discussion, right? I mean, we could go back and forth on that all day long. But I will not. In, in the, I was just say
0: I just won't. You can't relinquish the three, though. I
1: mean, you can't have it no, without with, those three. I, I think those three or Hal Gretzky—that's a given. Yeah. And then after that, we can fight about the fourth guy. And there are some will say, "No, you can't fight it." You know, people will be heavy in the Mario Lemieux camp. There'll be people heavy in the Marc Messier camp, or the Jaromir Yager camp, or wanting a goaltender. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm with you. That, as I usually am, Don, I'm always <laughs> with you. Is that the uh, I give you the the, the three or Gretzky and Howe would be uh, would be there regardless. And uh, you
0: have my back until now because you got to go. So I do appreciate it.
1: Well, I wish I didn't, but, you know, you get these three-way trades. I know. And everybody wants to talk to me, you know? know? Well,
0: get going. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week.
1: All right, my friend. As always, a pleasure.
0: All right. That's the great E.J. Raddick. He had to run, but we do appreciate the few minutes he was able to give us. And you can certainly tweet us if what your Mount Rushmore would be. You could probably do it for – for all 31 teams, if you want, maybe it's a little early for Vegas, but you can have that fun. But it's a great conversation. But honestly, and, you know, Jake came up with a great question, but three of the four, to me, are already filled. You cannot have a conversation without it being, you know, Gretzky, Howe, and Orr in three of those four on the Mount Rushmore. want to continue with your tweets. Uh, want to get into uh, other conversation. I did not want to lose out on EJ, especially with a big deal, a big trade like that. Um, Kevin Fritz sent a tweet uh, devils don 't look good defensively the past two games. How can it be fixed? Any trade possibilities in the future i 'm not sure Ray Shiro wants to make any deals just yet. Um, Santini was out of the lineup last night. Not that he 's you know an amazing defenseman that should have helped them win the games, considering Lovejoy replaced him and, and actually scored a goal last night listen you got a lot of kids. kids are going to make mistakes. they seem to be a little bit more offensively driven. I think you're just going to have to live with that for a while. They're scoring goals, which is great. So the the poor defense hasn't really be, hurt them. It hurt them in Edmonton. But, you know, the team is still 9-3-1 and one off to a terrific start. And I thought those were three big points they earned out west. Uh, you would have loved to have been able to steal the extra point last night, losing in the shootout. But considering how back and forth that game was, and there were multiple times where it looked like they were going to come away with no points, I think you just take – Uh, the points in your run. Uh, Anthony Grant says, have the Rangers done enough to make you believe they've turned the corner and will challenge for a playoff spot? Well, I never thought they wouldn't challenge for a playoff spot. There's just too much talent there. Listen, three games does not make a season. We wanted them to get the NHL 500. They got a chance to do that tonight against Columbus. They've got some things they need to clean up for sure. Uh, but uh, you're starting to see them play a little bit more of a 60-minute hockey game. I I thought they deserved a better fate on Saturday. I thought they played better than the 5-4 overtime win would indicate. I think Hank was a little bit off his game. I thought they didn't get that great bounces. Uh, Sevier scored a couple of goals that were kind of fluky, some bad bounces. The Rangers could have very easily won that game, you know, 4-1, 4-2, and you would have felt a little bit better about it, but they got the two points. I thought they played great in tampa as you heard ej say that tampa looked a little off but you know the rangers took advantage of it and they got four points and they won three in a row and maybe that third period comeback against vegas will be looked upon as a turning point in the season but let's see you got a big week coming up columbus is going to be tough you've got the wednesday night hockey against boston you've got edmonton coming to town we'll see if they can continue it but what do we say get back to nhl 500 and then you can start competing for a playoff spot uh, they're right on the doorstep of doing that. Also, Daniel mentioned about the Devils. You know, three points on the trip, but we should mention no Palmieri, no Johansson, and they're still waiting for Zay Jack to come back. So, this team will play better, and and that's certainly something that you want to be able to take advantage of if you're the Devils and put yourself in a position where it's almost like you made a deal bringing Zay Jack back. And they certainly have been able to help uh, with Palmieri and, and Johansson not recently, but. You know, they've overcome her a lot, and they've actually been a very good story this year. Uh, Chris says tourists will earn $6 million with 160-plus point season. Are salaries inflating too fast even with the cap? Well, as you heard EJ say, he's in a situation where it's like quarterbacks in football, right? The the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL is Matthew Stafford. Nobody will ever say that Matthew Stafford is the best quarterback in football. Just the timing of his contract made it that he had to get paid that. It's the same with centers in the NHL. I mean, these guys become available, and you just heard, Matt Duchesne became the best available center in the National Hockey League, and EJ said he still believes he's a better winger than a center. So because the position is so hard to fill, when those guys become available, what do you do? You overpay for them just the way it works in the National Hockey League. It's like a you know it works in football with the with the quarterbacks, it works with baseball with the pitchers. It's just all about the timing. Uh Sam Diaz asked, "Is there uh there have been two players with 60 or more goals in the last 20 years. Do you think Kucherov can top 60, 70?" If I had to bet, I'd say no just because Kucherov hasn't shown you the ability to score that many goals. Now, is he coming into his own that this is what he's going to be or is this just kind of a fluky season but He's having a spectacular year, ton of goals, ton of opportunities. That team is very, very good, but 60, 70, that seems to be reserved for, you know, the real future hall of famers in this league. I'm not really sure that uh, I would bet on that happening. Uh we got a long one from NYR Fanatic. He's got a couple of things on his plate here. Uh, Number one, don't fully understand why Bushnevich was given a penalty against the Panthers on Saturday. I thought it was only when a player with a broken stick can touch the puck with a broken stick. I didn't realize said player can't touch the puck at all. Bushnevich kicked it with his skate, but he never let go of the stick. You know, he still had the piece of broken stick. So he understood from what I was talking to people after the game. Bushnevich understood that he, that he couldn't play the puck. He thought he couldn't play it with the broken stick. You can't play it at all if you're still holding the piece of broken stick. He should have dropped it immediately. Then he would have been allowed to play it, so that's why he got the penalty. Number two, tonight's game against the Blue Jackets is an excellent test, no question, and there are a lot of four or five games over the weekend, no matter which period they ended in. I found that interesting. Uh, I think EJ's right. There was a great article in the New York Times about the the new slashing penalty and how there's zero tolerance for slashing near the hands. High on the stick, and and certainly if you slash at the stick and it breaks, no matter where you slash at it, it's a penalty. But that's given more room. And just calling the games that I've called, I've called eight of the games so far this year for the Rangers uh, of the 15 that they've had and i'm just seeing a lot more room on the ice and usually the the stick and a lot of these guys were taught growing up that you can defend with the stick and now it's hard to do that because when you try you're going to get hooked for get a get a hooking penalty get an interference penalty if you if you if you slash down on the hands at all even if it's a little bit of a tap that ends up becoming a penalty so it's not just the power play opportunities that are creating the goals but also the fact that guys are defending differently they're not, they're not reaching with the stick. They're trying to get their, their body there, which is going to be opening up a lot more holes. And when you take a look at some of the players that I think have really done well, you know the smaller, quick players, you give them a little bit of room, they're going to take advantage of it. And I thought that that was a tremendous um, point uh, made by EJ, and you're seeing it around the league. Now, will they continue to call? I mean, that was part of the article that I read um, in the New York Times, that there seems to be a general consensus you're probably not going to see the same way later on in the year, and then that might tighten things up. And certainly you probably won't see it in the playoffs where it tightens up and the goals will go down. But as of right now, if they stay consistent and continue to call, it, we may see a resurgence in offense, and that's a resurgence in entertainment because people like goals being scored. Just a quick observation from last night. We didn't get to Montreal's win over Chicago And as you heard EJ say, Price has been out. We don't know how legitimate the injury is. And when I say legitimate, like how serious it is, or is this a team that's just trying to give him a bit of a break? Lindgren comes up. He's played four games in the National Hockey League. He's won all four uh, with different teams. But he has been a tremendous uh, uh, opportunity last night to win. And Montreal starting to turn the corner a little bit. They won a wild game in Winnipeg. They shut out the Chicago Blackhawks. So maybe the Rangers and the Canadians starting to turn things around again and Edmonton gets shut out. I thought maybe that they had found something against the Devils. They put a bunch of goals together, and then they revert right back to getting shut out in their own building against Detroit. So I'm going to get a chance to see Edmonton live on Saturday for the first time, so I'm looking forward to that. But something just does not seem to be right. Uh, The loss of Sakara should not cripple you. Uh, They lost Drysidle for a few games, but they've got him back. Uh, I understand that teams go through injuries and such, but – not not enough that this talented team should be waddling around with the record that they have right now. This has just not really been um, a very good Edmonton team, and it's a little bit of a shock to me that they've struggled as much as they've struggled. This team is just too good to be under 500 and kind of just out of the conversation. I was really looking forward to seeing if they could make you know a really serious run at something, and they just haven't been able to piece anything together. Uh, they get a little bit of a break here. I'm just looking to see the next time that they play. Uh, you know, they're 4-6-1. and one. I mean, that's just, in, again, they'll play Saturday against the Rangers, and that's just not very good. Let's take a look at the schedule uh, coming up today. We've got six games on a Monday. We were talking about the Rangers and the Blue Jackets. We'll see if the Rangers can get back to NHL 500, also they their fourth in a row. Boston Bruins, I'll get a chance to see them on Wednesday. They'll be taking on uh, the Wild that has kind of been wallowing around at 500. Same with the Bruins, 5-5-2 five, five, and two for the Wild. Bruins are 5-4-3. Uh, uh, um, Leafs. Uh, Golden Knights continue on this Eastern trip. They did squeeze a win out against the uh, Ottawa 5-4 crazy game. They almost blew the lead again, but they at least got a win here out East. They're 9-4-0, still off to a great start. and Things are leveling off a bit for the Leafs. Now they're 8-7, and and it's not just the defense. they're 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 not scoring at the rate that they need to be scoring either. So that's an interesting game tonight as well. Uh, the Coyotes 2-12-1. They actually picked up their second win over the weekend. Uh, they'll be in Washington to take on a capital team that's finally above five hundred at 7-6-1. and one. Stars and the Jets. Jets are a nice story. 7-3-3. Three, and three. Line A scoring goals. Shifley is scoring goals. So Winnipeg is off to a great start. And we'll see if the Red Wings can stay hot against the Canuck team that, you know, they lost to the Devils getting shut out last week, but they, they've managed to continue to plug along 7-4-2, and, and and the Red Wings, I think, are a nice surprise. I had them tagged to be the worst team in the Eastern Conference, and they sit at 7-7-1, seven, seven, and one. so uh, that's actually pretty cool that the Red Wings, in their new building, have actually played some pretty relevant hockey here uh, over the last uh, first month of the season, so, so good on them. I'm glad to see that they're actually um, playing some decent hockey. Three stars of the week, uh, Corey Crawford, who had that long shutout streak, snapped on Sunday against the Montreal Canadiens. I think he got up to like 180 minutes. He's the number one star. Of course, Josh Bailey, as the Islanders continue to play some tremendous hockey. Bailey's playing well. Tavares is playing well. Barzell's playing well. They're getting solid goaltending. And also Martin Jones of the San Jose Sharks. They're your three stars of the week. Two goaltenders and a pretty good forward for the New York Islanders. So got six games to recap tomorrow. See if the Rangers can continue their winning streak. Uh, keep an eye on what's going on with the Leafs and the Golden Knights, and we'll have some fun with that. Thanks to E.J. Raddick for joining us for a couple of minutes. Appreciated that. So we had a big deal, a uh, three-way deal last night to analyze and a lot of things going on over the weekend. But I want to hear from you, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, if you have a thought on who that fourth player should be on the Mount Rushmore, do you go goaltender, you go Lemieux, you go old school with Maurice Richard, do you think outside the box? I'd love to hear from you that. That's always a great Great conversation we can have really throughout the season. And of course, your thoughts on anything going on in the National Hockey League, we'd appreciate it at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. So uh, enjoy the night of hockey, enjoy the six games. We'll be back with you again tomorrow. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct Podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on The Michael K. Show, weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct Podcast on the ESPN app,
1: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.